0: Please be seated. I am the vine, you are the branches. God reveals to Jesus what fruit needs to be born on the vine of each individual, and Jesus becomes the foundation of who we are as he grows fruit that is beneficial to us and weeds out the ones that are not. My name is Faith Kaufman, and I would have no idea how to make a connection from the gospel to my life if it weren't for All Saints. I have been coming to All Saints for as long as I can remember, but it wasn't until my 10th grade year that it really became an integral part of my life. I have always gone to two different churches, as my dad is Catholic and my mom is Episcopalian, but for confirmation, they gave me the choice of which to become a part of. Although I had grown up attending Sunday school at my Catholic church, I had always felt a pull towards All Saints, and joining this congregation is one of the best decisions I've ever made. In the summer of my 10th grade year, after weeks of meetings and getting to know the other students, myself and 14 others traveled to the great state of Alaska on pilgrimage. We had each been hesitant on what spirituality Alaska held, as it wasn't known for being a typical site of religious pilgrimage. However, this trip displayed to us the fact that God is everywhere, that Jesus' love can be found in each and every person. I found this specifically in the friends I made on the trip. I went into the pilgrimage only knowing one person and left with a group of people I believe will be lifelong friends. The wondrous hikes, early morning prayer, and homemade dinners brought us together in a way I hadn't thought would happen. However, I am certainly grateful it did, because this quick but strong bond we made unfortunately had to be put to the test. Just days before the end of my trip, my grandfather passed away, and I had to leave early to attend the funeral. Being with those people and in that beautiful part of Alaska was the perfect place to be. I received hugs and condolences, as is natural from others, but it was the way everyone actually lived the grief with me, either through sympathy or empathy, that was most important. We opened up with one another about tragedies that had happened in each other's lives and gave advice on how to best get through it. They also understood that it was my last day on one of the most amazing trips of our lives, and worked so hard to make it as fun as possible. We played games, made jokes, and spent every second of our remaining time together. We stayed up until four in the morning, just talking, until I had to leave for my flight back home. The love I felt from the chaperones and pilgrims is like nothing I had felt before. It's here that I realized God had told Jesus to prune this fruit, the people and the beautiful sights of Alaska, on my branch. Having Jesus as my backbone at that time was so significant to me And without the people, my fruit, the ending of the trip would have been so much harder. Not only was this fruit grown to help me through that time, it has continued to flourish in my life. My fruit are some of the most meaningful friends in my life. God told Jesus to add fruit on my branch at the time I needed it most. I will forever be thankful for that and All Saints for giving me the opportunity to go on pilgrimage and for introducing me to a beautiful community. Thank you.
1: Uh, My name is James. Uh, I've grown up as a member of All Saints, been here all my life. Uh, I was in the children's choir for a while, usually went to Sunday school, went through Rite 13 and was confirmed, and have been an acolyte here for the past X amount of years. This community has influenced me in more ways than I think I can imagine. When I first read over this week's gospel several weeks ago, brainstorming with Tim, I felt kind of lost. Several phrases I thought didn't necessarily reflect the church establishment that I've become so familiar with. And in general, I would really just no idea where to start when even giving a sermon, something I hadn't tried. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. That sort of sounded hellfire and damnationist—something something that is obviously not preached much here. Nothing really stood out that much, and none of what Jesus was telling us felt relevant to my experiences. Except one sentence, and really just one word in particular, eventually resonated with me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you abide. What does that really mean? The textbook definition of it, and what I generally have come to associate it with, is patient endurance, but here I like it to have a much more active meaning, not simply going with the flow, but making an effort to really show your love, show your passion, and participate in other people's lives. From my experiences in history classes to visiting other, more traditional churches— the common view of Christianity, it seems, is that it preaches how it is really, really important to love God and have a strong faith and act according to his wishes. Although, yes, we preach that in the Episcopal Church also, my this here extend beyond that perspective. In this gospel, we see that this approach is only half of the equation. The crucial part here is not just the use of abide, but the double usage of it, combined with also its contextual meaning. God is stressing to us that but everything I just said is important and worthwhile, it is also reciprocated. It says earlier, abide in me as I abide in you. As much as we worship and praise God and our loyal servants of his ministry, he is present and watching over us in our lives. As much as we are making an effort to love him here in our world, he is making that same effort to love us. And as I finally start to realize that my significant time in this specific community and congregation is coming to a close, it's becoming even more clear that everyone here is the embodiment of that give and take. This congregation is God's presence his protection, his love, and his active participation in my life. As I'm sure many of you know, my father passed away when I was just four months old. I have no real memories of him, so the, I guess, memories that I do possess of him are not really mine, just interpretations of stories I've heard and pictures I've had in my house. But partly because this happened when I was really young, I've really not known any other reality. Yes, of course, I wish things had happened differently, but in a sense, I don't really know what I'm missing, and that was only the case until pretty recently. About a year or so ago, my mom compiled for me all the letters and notes written to me as a baby after my, bad di- after my dad died. I have a really thick binder at home full of short notes to drawings to full-out essays describing to me what impact my father had in their lives and exactly what he meant to them. I can remember meeting only a handful of these people, and yet here they are, writing in such a personal and heartfelt manner I'd never encountered in my life. Almost all of these people knew him from All Saints. One woman said that after she left All Saints, she kept up with my father because she was so close to this church community. Another was from a recently resettled refugee that my father had helped immensely through this church's ministries. Pretty frequently on Sundays here, even now, someone I kind of know or recognize will come up to me and say, I knew your father, and that just turns it on. We have a normal conversation as if we have known each other for years, when in fact, that really isn't the case. That is all anyone really needs to know to understand the impact this congregation has had on me and my upbringing. People I don't know very well have filled important roles in my life that I didn't even know existed. And that really is the true meaning of faith to me. Nothing about this community is reluctant. My time participating in diocesan events, volunteering for things like thread or the refugee ministries, getting confirmed and going on pilgrimage, that's me abiding in God. Nothing about that is passive. Everything, big or small, that is given to me by this community and even just this community's presence in my life is god abiding and shaping me the immense support that my family received after my father's death is the work of god the courage it took to write letters to an infant too young to understand the magnitude of what was happening the genuine love it takes to approach a teenage boy that in truth you hardly know but talk to you like you've always known is the embodiment of god in the lives of everyone here And as I move on past high school and past regular attendance in this congregation, I just want to say thank you for carrying God's message and abiding by me and serving that role and that love in my life that God had intended. It's incredibly reassuring that I have had this community and will always have this community with me no matter where I am. But since next year I will be at Georgia Tech, it is nice to know that all of y'all, and of course 50 Cent Donuts and Lemonade, will only be across the street for at least four more years.
2: Abide in me as I abide in you. I listen to this, and I hear a lesson of trust. God trusts you, and you must trust God. This reciprocation of trust, however, goes beyond your relationship with God. Trust is the foundation for all relationships. Trust is true confidence in someone. When those around you are dependent and loyal, oftentimes you trust them. When you're young, you trust the adults around you to help you make the right decisions, and you get older, you act kindly and selflessly, people will often have confidence in you. Relationships are then over time formed. For instance, I trust my brother. I know I can always call him and get the advice I need, that he will always be push me to be the best version of myself that I can, even if it's painful. He reaches out to me in the same way. Sometimes I think that this reliance we have in one another is nonsensical. How can I call someone for important life advice one day, and that person call me the next? One of us has ought to be getting bad advice. We can't both be so wise. If we were, we wouldn't need each other in this way. But I realized it's not that either of us are incapable. It's that we don't have the trust in ourselves that we have in one another. It didn't take me very long to trust Conrad. I trusted him to keep me safe on walks to the park or at nights when we were home alone. I had faith in him to guide me through high school. But the thing that he really did was he taught me the advantages of trust. That as long as there was someone in the world I trusted, it would alleviate my anxieties, and I would never be alone. He taught me that being a person someone trusts means sometimes you're quiet, or sometimes you yell on the top of your lungs for this person. That trust isn't just being a lockbox of someone's personal information. Trust is being truly there and present for someone. Trust isn't something you give. Trust is something someone gives you. You have to work hard to give someone this assurance. It wasn't until recently, though, that I started to trust myself in the way I trusted Conrad. I realized I'd been walking this tightrope that is being a young adult. I'm old enough to have some wisdom, and I'm young enough to be brave but my actions didn't reflect this. I could go on no longer allowing other people to carry the weight of my decisions. It was time for me to carry the burden alone. I realized then that while I was trusting those adults around me, they were giving me more. They were teaching me the skills to have true confidence in myself. It takes time to trust yourself, just as it takes time to trust those around you. After my realization, I didn't immediately wake up with this sudden ability to trust myself. It started with little things, like learning how to be proactive, that I can't have my parents remind me to sign up for an AP test. That's something I need to do. But the thing that was really instilled confidence in me is being the Edmond Middle School lacrosse coach. I say that, but I'll also say we didn't have the winning most season. Um, Every game lost seemed like a failure on my part. I didn't want to let anyone down, not my fellow coaches, not the parents, certainly not the players. I had been looking at it in the wrong way. I needed to focus on the faith I had in my team, focus on the progression and their athletic ability, their camaraderie, focus on how they trusted me. I had to do the right thing and trust myself. Looking at 25 people who had complete faith in my decisions pushed me to have the same amount of confidence in myself. And I think that's what God is saying in this gospel, that while you need to trust those around you, you also need to learn how to trust yourself. I trust myself to acknowledge which parts of my actions are positive towards my well-being and which parts are not. Because I find when you are able to trust both in yourself and those around you, you are truly able to grow as a person. God's trust in us, that's all we need. Thank you.